Open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 4, and we will get there in a minute. Well, you know what they say. They say, seeing is believing. Do you believe it? Do you believe that seeing is believing? Maybe not. Sometimes we don't, apart from things like clickers. Because sometimes the images go by too quickly. Uh, sometimes we see things too rapidly and we don't have a chance to focus on it. Years ago, Robin and I were driving home from church and we saw a car accident in front of us. Thankfully, no one was hurt. The cars got hurt. And I thought, I saw that quite clearly. A couple of evenings later, an investigator called and uh, asked me some questions. And in that conversation, I came to realize, well, you didn't see it as clearly as you thought. And you may have heard law enforcement personnel say that eyewitness testimony oftentimes is not terribly trustworthy. And the same is true with hearing, right? Uh, if, if we're not adequately focused, if if things are just moving too quickly, um, hearing might not be believing. But it's different when the images are powerful and lasting, whether they're visual or auditory. Here's an example. That is the balanced rock in Arches National Park. And in a national park full of spectacular things to see, that, to me, was the one that just blew my mind. We came around the corner in the car, and that was looking right at us, and I thought, you must be kidding. It's a 4,000-ton rock. Looks like it's sitting on a golf tee. Uh, it's all attached. It's single piece, but that doesn't detract from how remarkable it is. So if you were to ask me, do you believe that the creation can speak to us through its wonder? I say yes. Why? Because seeing is believing. And somewhat the same with hearing. When the sound has a chance to penetrate us, hearing can be believing. When I was young, what I knew about classical music was similar to what I knew about the planet Neptune. It's out there somewhere. It's not affecting my life very much. But when I was 21, my sister and I had the chance to hear the Chicago Symphony Orchestra perform Mahler's Ninth Symphony. And that was a remarkable experience. That music went all the way inside of me. And it wasn't just me. As we walked out, I could tell by the looks on people's faces that they were thinking, apparently I do have a soul after all because it just got spoken to. So uh, hearing can be believing uh, under, under certain conditions. What we see and what we hear have the power to change us. With that as a backdrop now, let's go to the Bible. Let's uh, look at Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. A little bit of background. Pentecost has come. The Holy Spirit has been unleashed. Peter and John were in the temple. They healed a man who was lame. The religious authorities became upset. They put Peter and John in jail. They brought them out the next day and interrogated them about the event and then sent them out of the room while they, the religious authorities, tried to sort out how they were going to handle it. And then they called Peter and John back in. 
This, uh, that takes us up to verse 18 in Acts 4. So they called for them, Peter and John, and ordered them not to preach or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come this morning grateful to be under the shelter of your wing and together as family. We understand that the strength of Peter and John's witness was based on how much of Christ they experienced as they were with him. And we seek the same this morning, Lord. We, we pray that we would just be totally open before you and that you would be able to be among us this morning and speak to us and let us hear from you. And we pray that we would be changed by it and that we would bear witness to one another of what you are doing among us. We love you and we thank you for the assurance that we have of your presence. And in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. So where should we go this morning? Four places. What did Peter and John see and hear in their walk with Christ? What do we see and hear in our walk with Christ? What is in common between those two sets of experiences? And how should we respond to that? So, to begin, what did Peter and John see and hear? This is not a comprehensive list. It's five things. They saw and heard a lot as they walked with Christ. We'll look at five. First of all, Peter and John saw Jesus walk on water. This is Matthew 14, 27 through 29. A bit of background. It's nighttime. The disciples are in a boat. They're crossing the Sea of Galilee. The winds are high. The water is rough. They look out of the boat. They see Jesus walking to them on the water, and they become afraid. Verse 27. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, and climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. Peter looked out of the boat, he saw something, it changed him, and he responded immediately. It's as if he said, Lord, I want your power to lead me to do the impossible. And Jesus said, come, and he came. Now, we know the full story. As, as Peter approached Jesus on the water, he became frightened, started to sink. Jesus rescued him, encouraged him to have faith. But what strikes me about this episode is the immediacy of Peter's response. He just, when he saw Jesus, he just it welled up in him. I want to do that. Bid me come to you on the water, Lord. And he came. <clears throat> Second, Peter and John saw the empty tomb. This is John 20, 4 through 8. The two, Peter and John, were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, was, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, 
then entered the tomb, saw, and believed. John entered the tomb, he saw, and he believed. Imagine that in heaven, you can ask Peter and John, what was it like to stand there on that morning and gaze into that empty space? And, and, And we would think they might say, it changed everything. We didn't fully understand it at the time. We were joyous, but we were also a little bit bewildered. But we knew that that, that, that sight changed everything. And in the fullness of time, God, through the Holy Spirit, taught us, and through Jesus himself after the resurrection, what, what that event was all about. We, we came to understand it completely. But as we looked in there that morning, we were changed. We were changed. Thirdly, Peter heard Jesus call him blessed. This is Matthew 16, 15 through 17. But you, Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So Peter's doing here the same thing that he does in Acts 4. He's bearing witness to what he has seen and heard. But he's bearing witness of Christ to Christ in the presence of Jesus. He's telling Jesus what he has come to understand about him. And Jesus says, that's the work of the Father in you. You are blessed. That's the work of the Father in you. Peter heard Jesus call him Satan. Same chapter, just a few verses later. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. But he turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but man's. So imagine that you're an acquaintance of Peter, and you saw him shortly after this event. And you asked him, Peter, how's it going? I know that you're with Jesus. How's all that going? And Peter says, well, there's good news and bad news. Jesus called me blessed. And when the Son of God calls you blessed, that's a life changer. But then, not long after that, he told me I was Satan. I'm blessed, I'm Satan. Satan, I'm blessed. Now, we can see the resolution of it clearly in the word, and no doubt Peter came to understand this also. In the first instance, Jesus says to him, you're an offense to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but man's. You, Peter, are operating at this moment in your fleshly frame of reference You are making judgments about what God has in store for me, and you're applying your wisdom to the matter. And in all of that, you're an impediment to me. You're in the way. And to the extent that you're doing that, that's evil. In the first instance, you were merely speaking of what you had come to understand about me. And those words that were coming out of you were put there by God the Father. And in that circumstance, you were blessed. So, we should seek the blessing rather than to be the impediment, we would say. And fifthly, 
something that John heard, not that he saw, but that he heard, and, and there may have been an element of seeing there. John heard all of creation praising the Lord. This is Revelation 5, 13 and 14. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. John heard all of creation praising the Lord. Were a person to hear that, would the person be changed? We think so. Now, you might be thinking, well, but John had that experience after the words that he spoke in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 4. Um, you're getting out of order here. We concede the point. But although John hadn't had this experience when he spoke those words in Acts, the Holy Spirit was preparing him for this type of experience. So we'll grandfather it in. Five things that Peter and John saw and heard. Would you say that they were changed by those five things? Say yes. And there's two dimensions to that. There's, there's some immediacy, right? John looked in the tomb, and he was changed immediately by what he saw. But yet at the same time, that change was part of the work that the Lord was doing in him over time. And I think the same is true for us. Um, there, there's immediacy and there's the work of the Lord in our lives over time. So, now that we're on the subject of us, what are some things that we see and hear as the Lord does his work among us? And as we have this part of the discussion I'll be thinking about things that we see and hear here in the body of Christ and the witness we bear here in the body of Christ um, in, in contrast to the external bit witness that we bear in response to what we see and hear. So, here at Richland Baptist Church, we see God leading us as a church to step out in faith, and if you were here a couple weeks ago, you heard me comment on the composition of our pastor search committee, saying that it's the impression of many of us that, that that is the hand of the Lord making provision for the future of our church. And we're excited about that. But there was another aspect of that pastor search process that I noticed and I found very exciting. So uh, you had, uh, what, roughly 20 people um, that were the deacons and the PAT making nominations to the process. So in the first round of nominations, we just brought in all, all the names, seven names for each person. Just bring in all the names, and then we'll go, for there, we'll go from there. There were 50 names on that list. There were 50 people among us who were in that initial round. And I found that very exciting. Part of God's leadership here is the broad base of spiritual maturity and trust that exists across our congregation. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I saw that broad-based manifestation of the Spirit in the trust that was expressed for that large number of people to serve in that capacity. Next, 
We see God leading us to pray. Todd preached about this a couple weeks ago. Not much needs to be added to his comments. I would say that our church is full of people who pray with serious intent, not with shallowness, but with serious intent. Uh, Some of those people are our staff members. Uh, BJ told us in a meeting several weeks ago that under Travis Southern, he felt that the staff really moved into this very serious um, commitment to prayer as a group. And, And many of us are the beneficiaries of that. Many of us have been the beneficiaries of prolonged, strategic, specific prayer. Now, I don't do this very often. It's it's different to be up here. But how convenient it is when you come in on a morning like this morning, and in three instances, two of which I will mention now, People provide illustrations that then you can speak about when you get up here. So we're on the issue of serious prayer. I walked in this morning. I was seated over there. Larry Humphrey came up to me and he said, I've been praying for you all week. Amen. So then I'm still sitting there, minding my own business. Travis Muse comes up to me. So... Uh, we've known Travis for years because he was Niels's basketball coach in church league basketball. And I have to say, and Travis must have wondered about this, you watched those games and you wondered, is it basketball or is it roller derby? <laughs> but we've loved Travis for a long time. So I'm seated, Travis comes up to me and he says, let's pray. And, and we did right there. You, just, you can't put words on it, right? You can't put words on it. And many of us have had that experience. What about me? Has my prayer life weakened a little bit? Have I drifted? I should get with others and pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's part of God's will for me that I pray constantly. So, Uh, We have a prayer meeting here at church on Wednesday nights. We have people in twos and threes and small groups praying throughout the week. Our life groups are praying, other forms of fellowship. I should get with others and pray. We see God leading our church to step out in faith and pray and give. Now, we have to be careful here. In talking about giving, there's always room for pride, right? It's not a contest. It's, it's not about us. It's the Lord's work among us. That said, a little bit of background. Uh, Richland Baptist Church is one of about 400 cooperating churches, I think, in this organization called the Northwest Baptist Convention. So in the same way that an individual, an, an individual gives or ties monthly, these churches give in what's called cooperative program giving. And that giving goes to the Northwest Baptist Convention. Their office is down in Vancouver. Some of that money stays in the Northwest. Other parts of that money go to causes like uh, international missions, North American missions, and, and other sorts of ministries like disaster relief. 
Now, the video this morning, that's, that's a separate piece of giving that we do to the Northwest Baptist Convention. That's a special offering that goes for special targeted purposes. But then there's the ongoing cooperative program giving that happens across the year. Can't have church without a bar graph, right? So this graph shows the cooperative program giving in the calendar year 2021 by the top 10 giving churches in the Northwest Baptist Convention. And that tallest bar right there, that is you, that is us. That is the Lord's work at Richland Baptist Church. So do we get all wound up about that? No, we get all wound up about the fact that that's the Lord's work among us. But this church is known, and I can tell you this factually, um, because we used to talk about Richland Baptist Church when I was going to church down in Portland. This church is known across the Northwest for the seriousness with which it approaches the issue of giving and how the Lord is honored in the giving that happens here. Now, let me show you another one. This one really gets me wound up. This is just Richland Baptist Church. This is the giving that we've done to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering or through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for the last 10 years. Karen very kindly uh, did a lot of work to find these numbers for me this week. What I like about this graph is it doesn't make sense. If you look at, at our church over the last 10 years and a host of other demographic sorts of factors, it's hard to come up with a story of why that graph goes up other than the fact that that's the Lord's work among us. That is him at work doing what he does to, in this case, help support the cause of international missions. Uh, so that's a blessing, right? It's a, it's a blessing to see him do what he does here in our midst. So step out in faith, pray, give, serve. We see God leading us as a church to serve. Years ago, Robin and I taught two- and three-year-olds in life group. We called it Sunday school back then. Opening assembly every Sunday. All the preschoolers would pile into a room along with the teachers. We would plop on the floor and we would have a mini worship service. Opening assembly. We would sing and Jeannie Moffat would play the piano. I don't know if there are... I don't know if there are good old days, but that feels a little bit like the good old days. Sitting on the floor, singing to Jesus with Miss Jeannie playing the piano. I told her one time, I said, it's, it's generous of you to go out of your way to do that. And she made a kind reply, of course, but you could tell in her reply that what she was saying is, it's not out of my way to do this, it's in my way. It's what the Lord has for me to do. If I were doing something other than this, that would be out of my way. But this is one of the things that the Lord has for me to do. She has a compulsion to serve. And Robin and I have always been moved by the compulsion to serve that's expressed by so many people here at Richland Baptist. That's been a blessing to us. It turns out not to be a factor of age. Some of you are acquainted, many of you are acquainted with a woman named Michaela Miller. She's sitting right there. Hi, Michaela. If you spend any time around Michaela, you start to realize two things. She has a compulsion to serve, and she is excited about serving. And we are blessed through that. We are blessed through that. What about me? 
maybe my attitude about serving has drifted a little bit. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to be free, brothers, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Christ sets me free, but he sets me free not from service, he sets me free to serve, to serve in love. And uh, on the question of hearing, we hear God blessing us with music and leading us to sing. Congregational singing is part of the history and the heritage of the Lord's presence here at Richland Baptist. And in the current era, the Lord has used Scott Wells to ingrain in us the necessity of singing. When you come to this church, you must sing. Now, I'm not the one who made the lights go out this morning. But did you catch what he said about that episode? Like, he couldn't say anything that more perfectly reveals the heart that he has for his leadership of, wor uh, of worship here. Scott's heart is not to create an experience on Sunday mornings that we absorb. Rather, it's to create an experience in which we participate. And I'll tell you, uh, I'm a, some of us are back row Baptists. I'm a balcony Baptist. <laughs> but when you come down here to the front on a Sunday morning and you hear the congregation singing in full voice, it's powerful. It's powerful. It's a blessing. And we're blessed with a number of talented, skilled, and committed musicians to lead us in worship. Now, Robin and I are first service people. So, in relation to the first service, we can tell you that having Barbara and Barbara and Ruth and Michelle lead us on Sunday mornings is a little bit like having Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Tony Lazari and Bob Musel on the 1927 Yankees, right? It's an all-star lineup, uh, and we are so blessed for their faithful service each Sunday um, to lead us in music. So, five things. Are we changed by what we see and what we hear in these and other areas? Say yes. Do we bear witness to one another of what we see and hear and how God changes us as a result? And that's important because that's one way that the body of Christ is built up. Ephesians 2.22 reads, You are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. You are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. And, and when we bear witness to one another of what we see and hear God doing among us, that's part of that building process. So, Peter and John had some experiences of seeing and hearing. We have some experiences of seeing and hearing. What is in common between the two? Seemingly not much. Think about an average day in the life of Peter and John more than 2,000 years ago. Where did they go? How did they travel? What did they eat? Where did they sleep? Who did they interact with? What did they see? Those circumstances couldn't be more different than our physical circumstances on a Sunday morning when we're here in an air-conditioned auditorium and we have on our hearts this issue of how God uh, might be leading us towards a new pastor. But perhaps the differences aren't all that great. Uh, two things come to mind. Peter and John saw and heard Christ directly, 
and we see and hear Christ directly. Now, it happens, of course, in different ways. Peter and John saw and heard Christ as he inhabited his earthly body. He was complete. In him, all the fullness of the deity was pleased to dwell. But they could see him and touch him and be touched by him physically. We, on the other hand, see and hear Christ through the Holy Spirit as he inhabits his spiritual body, which is the church, which is us. So we share that. Uh, we share a direct experience with Christ. And the central focus of the disciples' experience with Christ is the central focus of our experience, the cross, the resurrection, and the coming and the power of the Holy Spirit. What we bear witness to most strongly, what forms the foundation of our witness, also formed the foundation of the witness of Peter and John as they spoke those words in front of the religious authorities. Christ suffered and died to pay the price for our sin. He rose from the grave to give us eternal life in the Holy Spirit, and we will live forever in the presence of God. So, um, those three issues were front and center in the experiences of Peter and John as they stood before those religious authorities a couple thousand years ago, and they're front and center for us as we're gathered here this morning. So, how should we respond? Four things. Let's bear honest witness to each other of what we experience him doing here in our midst. Years ago, years ago, when I was in college over in Walla Walla, the place they liked so well they named it twice, our pastor was uh, addressing the congregation one Sunday morning, and he said, look, he said, we all get a little bit antsy over this issue of witnessing. He said, but I've seen what God has done in your lives as individuals. I've seen what he's done in your families, in your marriages, in your employment circumstances. When you have the chance to bear witness, tell those things. Talk about, about who he is in your life and in the life of your family. Just, just bear honest witness to that. But he also said, uh, remember that the foundation of our witness is the cross and the resurrection and the power and the coming of the Holy Spirit. So um, oftentimes to me, it, it, it seems like this happens in kind of a, uh, not an offhand way, but in a, a, a flow of life sort of way. Here's an example. Uh, some time ago when he was doing the welcome on a Sunday morning, uh, Travis Muse gave a brief report on Vacation Bible School, and he said, did you know that we had 70 people help at VBS? And I didn't know that, and that was such a blessing to hear that. That's, that's the work of the Lord among us. That's a lot of people helping with the ministry of the church. That's the Lord's work among us. So bear witness to what we've seen and heard as God works among us. Secondly, Let's pray that we will continue to grow into a church in which all ages of believers can exercise their spiritual gifts in love. So uh, you've heard some of us say that um, the composition of the pastor search committee 
is, is we feel the, the hand of the Lord at work in, in investing leadership in a younger generation here at our church. The pastor's accountability team, I don't know if you've noticed, but the PAT, it's getting younger. You have the second, essentially, round of, of uh, gentlemen occupying those positions now, and the average age there is about nine years less than it was in the first round. Hasn't happened to the deacons yet. We're just getting older. Uh, but I'm fully confident that the Lord will work among us in a way to raise up a new generation of deacons also in, in the next year or two. I spoke to someone a few weeks ago uh, who said, when I was 30 years old, I felt a little bit left behind at our church because I just, it, it was hard for me to find places of service. It was hard for me to feel like God was moving me into positions that, that might involve leadership. He said, I felt a little bit left behind. That's changing now. That's changing, praise the Lord. But one wonders if there's a risk there that if it changes too much, then if I'm 70 or 80 or 90, perhaps I feel the pendulum has swung the other way. And, and am I the one that's being left behind? Uh, my place of service, um, you know, the, my, uh, you know, the exercise of my spiritual gifts. So let's not allow it to be a pendulum. Let's pray that we will grow into a church in which all ages, youngest to the oldest, can exercise their spiritual gifts. Again, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one. So let's look for that in each other. And let's affirm that in each other, the exercise of those spiritual gifts. Let's pray that we see and hear him more and more. Peter and John bore strong witness in that episode in Acts because they were full of Jesus, and, and now they were full of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray that God would fill us up. Are we tired? Are we discouraged? Um, it's been a crazy few years, right? It's been a hard few years. When we had the luncheon for the Southerns just a week or two ago, uh, Scott told us in speaking about the COVID era, he said, I think we, the staff, managed to make all of you mad. And he said it in humor, and we received it in humor, but I know for a fact that we as the flock put some hard miles on our staff during that time over our tendency to push the button that says, I'm upset. So can we commit to each other that we will pray that God lift us up and that God will use us to lift each other up and that we will show all due restraint in pushing that button that says, I'm upset. Um, let's, let's be stewards of each other. Let's be stewards of each other's hearts. Finally, let's pray that this time without a pastor would be a time of memorable spiritual richness and fullness. Let's open ourselves up completely to the building up of the body of Christ. Imagine two scenarios with me. The first one, it's 15 years from now. 
2037, and you and I run into each other, aisle seven at Winco. And we get into this discussion, and we end up saying to each other, remember that time 15 years ago at church when we were without a senior pastor? Remember what a remarkable time that was? Uh, God was so present, and he was just moving so strongly, and we were seeing it and hearing it, and we were sharing it with each other. That was an amazing time. That was a revolutionary time. Imagine this. The day will come when a pastor will come to us in view of a call. He will get acquainted with us. We will get acquainted with him as we seek to find God's will in, in the matter. So he will come, and he will go back home. Now imagine he goes back home, and he speaks to an acquaintance, a close confidant, perhaps, or a family member, who says, how was that? That visit that you made, how did that go? And he said, imagine that he would say, it was amazing. Um, God was present to such a degree. Um, I just, I feel a need to be with those people, to to minister with them, to love with them, to pray with them, to serve with them. Now, can God, can God turn imaginary scenarios like that into the truth? He can. He is capable. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly all, above all, that we ask or think. God can do things during the next several months in the life of our church that we here this morning can't even imagine. Let's be open to that. Let's, let's pray that he would do that. Uh, let's pray that we would be aligned with him in the doing of that. Um, and let's share it with each other as those things happen. Now, you may be here this morning and you may be outside of faith in Christ. You might be thinking, look, you're talking about the cross and the resurrection and the coming and the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about those things. And I didn't know I was accountable to make a decision about those things. Or you might be here thinking, oh, I know the story of the cross and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit. I've just resisted it. Perhaps I've resisted it for a long time. Today, you can see and hear the presence of God in a way that will change your life forever. You can be born again by God's Holy Spirit. How? By yielding yourself to God, by agreeing with God that you fall short of his perfect standard, and by accepting the, the gift of forgiveness and salvation that is yours through Jesus Christ. This church is full of people who would love to come alongside you and help you understand that process more clearly and more specifically. So if you feel something this morning, if you feel tugged, please don't leave without speaking to someone. Pastor Scott, Pastor Travis, Pastor G BJ, one of the rest of us, we would love, we would be honored, we would be blessed to, to share with you how our lives have been changed based on what we have seen and heard and experienced through Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to pray, and then we'll sing our closing hymn. As we pray and as we sing, let's think about this issue of response. What do we see and hear as the Lord moves among us? And how do we bear witness to one another 
of what he is doing as he moves among us. That sharing that we do with each other, that's part of the building up of the body of Christ. And so let's just be fully open to, to building a building that's tall and wide and deep and strong, built on the foundation of the cross, the resurrection, and the coming and the power of the Holy Spirit. Stand with me if you would while we pray. Heavenly Father, we're humbled before you this morning to realize, first of all, the truth of your word, that it is inarguable historical fact that Jesus went to the cross for us, he was put in the tomb, but he didn't stay there because you raised him. And you raised him that as, as he was raised up, we too are raised up and given forgiveness and eternal life through your love for us. We just recognize that truth this morning and we are humbled by it. And we are blessed by all the evidence that we see of your hand among us. The, the things that you have done, the things that you are doing, and the things that we know you will continue to do. Lord, we want to be in step with you. We don't want to be an impediment. We want to be individually and collectively aligned with you as you work out your purposes here among us. So we just ask now in humility, we pray in humility that you would continue to fill us up, use us in each other's lives, use us to bless and honor you, our Lord and our Savior. We pray in the name of, name of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen.